Romans had a saying, mens sana incorpore sanu, which means a healthy mind and a healthy body. And the idea is, is that if you exercise and keep your body healthy, it's going to help your mental state as well. And I think we can recognize the truth of that. But here in our text, we have that dynamic flipped around. Here in our text, the apostle calls us, if we want to have a healthy body, the body of Christ to be healthy, we need to have, first of all, a healthy mind. Now, Paul is writing from prison. He's coming towards the end of those two years in prison that are recorded at the end of the book of Acts. He doesn't know. We know what's going to happen. He doesn't. He might be released. It's a possibility, which comes through in this book of Philippians, this letter. But he might be tortured and and he might be killed. He's not sure yet. And in that uncertainty about his future, Paul's concern is not about himself. Paul's concern is for the body of Christ, for the church of God. He's concerned about the health of the body. He's concerned about the unity of the body. And so look at chapter 1, verse 27, if you still have your Bible open. He's just said, I'm not sure if I'm going to live or die. But here's the important thing, 127, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul is writing to a church which is facing heavy external pressure. They are already experiencing the beginnings of persecution, which will get worse. They're experiencing persecution and different types of affliction, and then that's coming from the outside. But as we read through the the book of Philippians, we see in chapter 4, for instance, that there's also trouble and strife in the inside, where beloved sisters, Euodia, Syntyche, who have been very, very fruitful in the work of the Lord, are at odds with one another. They're, They're in conflict. And in that situation, Paul writes the words of our text. And he begins in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, look, I'm not sure if I'm going to live or die. I'm not sure if I'm going to stay in prison or be released. Now, you've been supporting me. And we read later in the, in the, the letter to the Philippians that they've actually sent him financial support as well. So you, you've been supporting me. You've been loving me and showing me love in, in real ways. But if there's anything to our relationship, If you value what we have between us, the encouragement in Christ, the comfort of love, the participation of the Spirit, the affection and sympathy that exists between me, Paul, and you, the church at Philippi, then complete my joy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Paul is a real pastor. He reflects the very character of Jesus himself. He's concerned not about himself. He's concerned about the body. And he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. And some of, may, some of us may think, well, there it is. There's the proof text, isn't it? Being of the same mind. The church would be so happy if everybody would think like me. It says right here, we've got to be of the same mind. Well, that's not what the Bible's saying. Literally, it means, the Greek says, minding the same thing. This is not a reference to the superficial lockstep uniformity of ideas and tastes and preferences. 
It doesn't mean that God calls us to all have the same opinion about everything. Even important things like church order matters, like whether women should vote or not. Or pandemic responses and how Christians respond to the pandemic and government restrictions. The body is a glorious diversity. That's what a body is. All kinds of members, all kinds of differences, all kinds of thoughts and opinions and reactions. And that is good. And that is right. And that is the way that God made things to be. Imagine your body was just all one member. Paul writes about that, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It would be a monstrosity if our body was just one great big eye, for instance. We would see very well, perhaps, but there'll be a lot of things we would be missing out on as well. What Paul is referring to here is what he's doing is he's drilling down to the very deepest level. And he's calling on the church, the body of Christ, to have the same mindedness, the same way of understanding the big picture, to have the same worldview, to have their minds set on the same deepest and most fundamentally important thing in all the universe. And so he continues, be of the same mind or be minding the same thing and having the same love. So it's not just a way of thinking, but it's a way of loving. And again, this is not just a, a superficial thing. Paul isn't saying, well, you know, if, 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 if the pastor likes classical music, then everybody should love classical music. You have to have the same love. Or if my brother or sister loves sushi, then I can't love pasta. He's not talking about superficial things. He's tapping deep down to the very fundamental, the, the, the very rock, the bedrock of what it is to be human. And he is tapping into the infinite depth of the character of God in whose image we were made to be. And God is love. And that's what needs to be moving us. So Paul calls the body to, to have our minds set together on the same thing. And we know who, what that is, the, the, the service and the worship of God the same love, the love of God. And then he says, being in full accord. I'm still in verse two here. Being in full accord. Literally, we could translate what he writes here, being one-souled. One-souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. Having one soul together. Aristotle in his ethics talks about friendship in this way. He says, friends have one soul between them. David and Jonathan, the Old Testament their souls, says the scripture, were knit together. They had a deep friendship. Their souls were knit together. They were one soul. Again, at the deepest level, we have a fundamental connectedness. There are all kinds of differences, glorious differences in the body of Christ. But when you drill right down to the, to the bottom, we have a fundamental connectedness. Our souls are knit together. And then Paul comes back to the mind again at the end of verse 2. He says, of one mind. And, and we could translate it literally and awkwardly. We could translate it, minding the one thing. Minding the one thing. Well, what is the one thing? Well, let's turn to uh, Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for a second. What is the one thing? 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'll read the first four verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. Or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It does not insist on its own way. Isn't that what Paul's referring to in verse 3? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. He's calling us as members of the body of Christ to have the mind, the worldview, and the deep and abiding love of God animating us so that I am not important. I'm not number one in my life. God is. And after God, my neighbor. And that's what is the operating principle of the life of the Christian. In humility, Paul says, we are to count others more significant than ourselves. Isn't that a glorious thing that in the body of Christ, in the communion of believers, no one is looked down on. No one. Ever. Because we're all being looked up to. We're all looking up to each other. It's a glorious thing. And it's a radically different thing from what we see in the world. Now, this is the health of the body when we've got our minds right, when we've got the attitudes of our heart right, when by the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us, we don't focus on me and my needs and my wants and my frustrations and my irritations and my everything, but we focus on the other. And sometimes we deliberately choose to sideline our needs and our wants or even give them up in order to love the brethren. Now, this is not natural to fallen man. Where can we get this kind of a mindset from? That deep, transformative disposition of sacrificial love, which knits our souls together as members of the body of Christ, where do we get that from? Well, certainly not from ourselves. We weren't born that way as sinners. That's why Paul continues in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It is yours in Christ Jesus. And Paul lays out in the following verses what he was willing to do for the health and the well-being, for the salvation of the body. What was he willing to give up? What was he willing to suffer? What was he prepared to do? What was he prepared to endure out of love for God's people? Well, we know 
the historical record of what Jesus came to do. Though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was prepared to do everything. Jesus was prepared to give up everything out of love for God's church, out of love for you, the body of Christ. And this mind is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, what unites us? What holds us together as a congregation? What binds us together? You know, we have the blessing of living in a, a very tightly knit community. Many of us have shared experiences. We've grown up together. We've gone to school together. We work together. We have beautiful family and marriage ties, which are very deep and, and go to many layers. That's a beautiful blessing. But it's also a great danger. The danger is, is that we ride on that. The danger is, is that we're satisfied with that level of connectedness. The danger is, is that the communion of saints in St. Albert Canary Form Church rests on and is founded on social connectedness. And no social phenomenon will be able to keep us together when the heavy external pressures of affliction, tribulation, and persecution press down on the church. And as there is growing antipathy to the gospel in society, just think of the, the trials of the last 18 months also, how much pressure that has had on society. It's divided families. It's divided marriages out there in the community. It's divided Groups of friends. We are all so different. We have different personalities. We have different characters. We have different life experiences. We live in different life situations. And we have different responses and opinions and thoughts and concerns about the pandemic and about restrictions. And you know what? It was tough last winter and it might be tougher this winter. And if we keep our interactions at the wrong level, we will have conflict and division and anger and frustration in our homes and in the church. And God calls us to something deeper. God calls us to be one soul. To be knit together in our souls at the most fundamental level. A deep, unbreakable bond that we have in the Spirit of God. That guides and, and governs and transforms the way we think, the way we see each other, the way we see the world, the way we treat each other, the way we encourage one another, the way we love one another. And it is the mind of Christ that impels us to say and to live in this way. That we look at one another and say, you are more significant than I am. I care not just about my interests, but about yours. I want to understand them. I want to take them into account. 
and I want to minister God's love and grace to you in terms of what you need, not in terms of what I want or what I want you to need. What does the scripture say? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now look around you. Would you give your life for the brothers and sisters sitting in this room? Would you give your life for your brother and your sister? That's what the gospel calls us to be. Now, this is something that we need to deliberately cultivate. It's not natural. This deep connectedness, which is unbreakable because it is, it is built on the, on the bedrock of who God is and who we are in him, in Christ. We need to cultivate that, brothers and sisters. We do a lot of cultivating about our common sports interests or work or school or community and family, extended family and, and, and the bingo of relationships, who knows who and who comes from where. You know what? We have new members in this church and members that have been around for a while that aren't connected in that way. And when our conversation after, after worship in the, in the coffee social there is all on that level, they're excluded. They don't have shared experiences of the Christian school community or, or growing up together or, or knowing the same people or, or being married into certain families and clans. And so fellowship at that level excludes and it also reinforces our connectedness at a superficial and breakable level. What we need to, do, need to do deliberately is drill down to the bedrock. When we're fellowshipping together after worship, let us speak of the things of God. Let us rejoice in the love of the Father. Let us delight in the peace with God that we, and with each other that we have because of what Jesus has done and because of who he is. And let us share in the joy of the Spirit. And when we connect at this deepest level, celebrating the mind that is ours in Christ Jesus, then we include everyone. Then people that haven't grown up in our community can connect just as well as we can at that deep level. As members of the body, we are then knit together with unbreakable love. And when that is where we're connecting, brothers and sisters, then we will be able to withstand any pressure, any tribulation, any affliction, any persecution. So this morning, God calls us to the table. He calls us to celebrate the, the one love which rules us all and binds us together in the light. He calls us to celebrate that we are one in the Spirit, one in the Lord. He calls us to celebrate that we have the mind of Christ. He calls us to celebrate that though we are many, yet we are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. He calls us to celebrate that when our souls are knit together in Christ, the body of Christ will build itself up in love, a healthy mind, a healthy body. Amen.